invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Before I share today's Song of the Soul guest with you, I want to remind you that wherever you're hearing this, I love hearing your suggestions for future Song of the Soul guests so that our program will be locally relevant to you. We have stations broadcasting our shows all across the USA, but we have far too few suggestions coming our way from Massachusetts, California, Oregon, Missouri, Arizona, New Mexico, and Washington State. So, Listeners there, contact me via NordenSpiritRadio.org and help promote our two-way communications. I found out about Indigi Farm through the Cotter Creek House Concerts sponsored in eastern Wisconsin in the Shano region, though Tosh and Elena are situated down in Arizona. Elena is of the indigenous peoples of New Zealand, known as Maori, and Tosh Terry, today's guest, is of the Diné people, the folks I knew as Navajos growing up. Elena and Tosh are two powerful women, deeply spiritually rooted, and it's a complete pleasure to have Tosh Terry of Indigifam joining us today by phone for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for having me. This is wonderful that you're doing this. Thank you for the work you're doing for all of us musicians. Glad to be here. And to recap, the way I got in touch with you is Joel Cranky. He does Cotter Creek House Concert Series. I saw that you and Elena were going to be there performing just very recently. I went out to your website, started listening to music, said, these are folks I got to get in touch with. They found us. They were looking for indigenous performers navigating through all the different websites and social media sites, and they found us, and they contacted us, and we said, absolutely, (laughs) you know, say no more, we will be there, because we do fall under the folk umbrella as well as the indigenous umbrella. It's a long walk, however, from Santa Fe up to the eastern side of Wisconsin. It (laughs) It was quite nervy of you to say, we'll be there. Did you do other concerts along the way? Absolutely, yes. And we had ample time to go ahead and uh, research and look for some venues and house concerts in the surrounding areas. We uh, went ahead and made it happen, and it was really fun. Let's talk about who are the essential ingredients of Indigifem. You, Tosh Terry, and Elena Higgins are the central folks, and I, I see there's other people play with you periodically. How did the two of you get together? What happened was in uh, 2006, I had a Shawnee mentor, Barney Bush, and he told me that he had a vision that there was an indigenous woman walking from far away, walking this way from across the waters. 
and he said that she was into the arts, but he wasn't sure what kind of arts, and that she was coming this way to support our people here in North America, and that we were going to meet and have an impact on each other's artistic perspectives. And lo and behold, about five or six weeks later, a friend of mine who is a sign language interpreter, I also interpret sign language, mentioned to me that she had a friend that was passing through supporting Table Women United and that she was staying on the reservation here in uh, San Alfonso Pueblo and that she wanted us to meet. So I said, sure, bring her on by and mentioned she plays music. So in between her interpreting freelance venues, she dropped Elena off on my front doorstep and (laughs) was running late, so she didn't bother to courteously walk her to the door and introduce her to me. She just dropped her off and said, okay, here's Tasha's place. She plays music, too. You guys need to hear each other, and that's what she did. (laughs) So that's what we did, and very shortly thereafter, I was invited to perform to do a show for the Alcohol Recovery Center for the Indigenous Youth here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. To fit into my schedule, I accepted, and I asked David Letch. He's also the founder of Outside In, which is a great nonprofit here in Santa Fe that brings musicians into places where people are incarcerated and in uh, rehabs and stuff like that. And he brings music in, and it's interesting, called Outside In. So this was one of the venues he had. So I said, can I bring a visiting musician from New Zealand that lives in Australia through? He said, absolutely. I said, yes, she's from the Māori and Samoan Nations. And he said, all right. So I said, would you like to do a gig with me? And Elena said, sure. So we very quickly <laughs> listened to each other's music, and we very quickly put a set together. And once we went in, when the show was done, this, the audience received us very well, and I spoke in Navajo to them. And there were several Navajo people there. And Elena said something about, she actually, you know what, she didn't say anything. She walked up to the front of all these boys, all indigenous boys, 18 and under, or under 18, and she held up two CDs. One was my solo CD, So It Is, and one was her solo CD, Rivers of the Soul. But out, out of her mouth came, who wants this? And all their hands went up. They all wanted it. And they just sat there, almost like a lapse in time, with their hands up in the air, and she just stood there with the hole in the CDs out. And then one indigenous kid came up and grabbed it, and she said, that's the point. You can't sit on your backside and raise your hand to get anywhere. You've got to get up and walk to it and do it and get it. When we left that gig, I said, that was really an interesting approach to to the boys. She said, well, I actually have a job in Townsville, Australia, in Queensland, and I work as a teacher in a juvenile detention center. So that job's waiting for me to go back to. I said, oh, so tell me more about that. And then she mentioned, she told me about, you know, Australia and some of the issues with this, that, and the other. So that's how it all started. And then the next gig we did was on the Navajo Nation at the Capitol in Windorock. Tsebaga Hosanna means hole in the rock. And there was an international uranium summit there. And one of my brothers, Norman Patrick Brown, invited me to come and perform. And I told him I've got a visiting artist from New Zealand. He said, oh, we've got people from New Zealand and Australia coming. So, yeah, bring her on. So we went to there, and that was really good. And from there, we decided to do a business plan together. That's where it all started, and that was in 2006. So since then, you've obviously prevented her from going back. I mean, maybe she did go back, finish her job. I don't know. Did you just keep her here, just locked her in place? Well, she pretty much felt the vibe out here and really took a liking to the southwest of Santa Fe and the surrounding reservations. And the communities took really well to her as well, and she started creating her own networks 
and her own trails, if you will, and created a life for herself here, working with nonprofits and going into jails and prisons, which is something that means I mean, means a lot to her. And we just kind of amalgamated our music together. And she's got a great life here now. And she, I think she gave notice to her place of employment in Australia maybe a year later or maybe eight months later and just said, I won't be coming back. And she's decided to just kind of bridge cultures between here, Australia, New Zealand, and the States for the most part. Their loss is our gain. The name of your combination, the two of you together, Indigi Femme. So Femme, I know, is the French word for woman. Indigi, obviously connected with indigenous. How did you come up with that? You know, we actually didn't. Our producer's then-wife, Candy Jones, is the one that called me one day. She's also my best friend. She said, Tosh, Tosh, I just figured it out. You guys need to call yourself, because we were looking for a name, and we couldn't go on Tosh and Elena or Elena and Tosh forever. So we were trying to figure out a name, manifest a name, and then Candy called and said, Indigifem, it's so perfect. It's indigenous woman, and you guys are the real deal connecting the northern and the southern hemispheres through your matrilineal lineages. And she was brilliant. And we went on that. We went, wow, that is, you know what, you're absolutely right. We hadn't thought about that. But yeah, okay, cool, let's do it. So that's when we went ahead and decided to use the name Indigifem. Thanks to Candy Jones. Thank you, Candy. And since then, you've produced three CDs together. Do you want to share some of your music now? Where where can we start in getting to know Indigifem? Sure. Actually, we've done five CDs together. But let's go ahead and start with Grandmother Earth, Grandfather Sky. Two songs from my traditional Navajo grandmother, Margaret Dalton. She's 94 years old and doesn't speak any English. The first song I wrote for her was in Navajo, and that was years and years ago. The second song I wrote for her was in English, and it was kind of a folk song called Blessed Rain. We'll hear that also. And the third song I wrote for her, I wanted to do something that's never been done before, and that's create a folk song in Navajo a little bit of traditional chanting. So that's what this next song is. And I'll just tell you real quickly, the song speaks to my grandfather and me walking at night and looking at a full moon and thinking about him and kind of spiritually talking to him in the spirit world. And then there's a chant break. And then the next verse is me talking to my grandmother in present tense. Grandmother, you're with me. I'm thinking of you. You have given us a lot, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And that is language, culture, and the true philosophy of the Navajo people is that, you know, we are Mother Earth, we are Father Sky, and that's kind of the essence of the song, forcing the Navajo language. So there's just a little translation for you there. And Tosh Terry is here for Song of the Soul. Here is song by her and Elena Higgins together. They are in Digifam. It is Grandmother Earth, Grandfather Sky. Oh, hey, I 
gift from Tosh Terry of Indigi Farm today for a song of the soul grandmother earth grandfather sky in Navajo or Diné what's what's the appropriate way to address the language Diné of course that's what you grew up with is that your first language or second or were they both simultaneously I learned them simultaneously Navajo from my grandparents and English from my mom and dad the grandparents are very important in an infant's life they're very present all the time constantly so when you have grandparents don't don't speak english that you take the language on is that common on the res that all the kids will learn dinner well yes and no and i'll start with the yes 
The yes comes from the grandparents because the grandparents hold the traditional values and the traditional language very near and dear to their heart, and that's what they speak, and many of them don't speak English. So that is a given. And those are the grandparents that were not taken away by the boarding school workers and whatever kind of setup they had back in the, let's see, my grandma was born in 1923, so that would be the late 20s, early 30s. They hid my grandmother and all the really skilled and traditional sisters of hers, they hid them. And they let all the boys go because they figured the boys would climb the ladder to the higher grasslands and learn the white man's education and go out and work and come back and benefit our tribe and culture with some of the goods from the white world. They kept certain ones out and they hid them. It's really an interesting story. And then, of course, my mother's generation, there was no hiding the kids. They had to go, period. So my mom's generation, she was taken when she was four and she was fostered by Quaker missionaries. Lovely couple. Vern and Lois Ellis, and they fostered her, and she went to uh, school off the reservation, and she was taught in a not-so-nice way not to speak her language, which, of course, she still does, because that was her first language for many years before she was taken off the res. But during those times, she was left-handed, and they didn't treat her nicely and forced her to go to her right hand, to write on her right side. So what happens with those generations is they come back to the reservation and they have families of their own, but because they and their husbands or wives have such deep-seated psychic scars from the trauma that happened in the schools that they have shame and they don't want to inflict that pain onto their children, so they figure, well, the assimilation in dominant culture is English, so I'm going to speak English to my kids, which is counterproductive because in my generation, I went to school on the reservation. So when I'm in the reservation, in school, they're not only teaching me English and all the core studies required by the educational standards, but they're also teaching me Navajo. They're not only teaching me Navajo language, but they're teaching me Navajo phonetics, how to read and write Navajo. And they're teaching me Navajo song and dance that correlates with all the four seasons. And so I'm learning that in school. And then I'm going up to Grandma and Grandpa's sheep camp and living the Navajo dream life, the Hajonjago, the beauty way. And then I'm coming off the mountain, coming into my mom's household, and no, no Navajo spoken for fear of, who knows, that I will be treated badly. But fortunately, I retain the language. So I'm grateful for that. But that's been the case, I think, for a lot of cultures uh, internationally. That whole colonizing thing was to kill the Indian by killing the language. I think that was a guy named Pratt. I think that was his thinking back then in the late 1800s. You know, last year I did a an interview for my Spirit in Action program with a Quaker woman who's from Colorado, Boulder area. She's trying to unearth the damage that was done by Quakers participating in the boarding schools. And, you know, their motivation was hopefully good, but still the psychic damage that's done by trying to make people ashamed of their culture, of their people, trying to make them not be what they were planted on the earth to be was pretty hard. So she's trying to get Quakers, and then there's a parallel movement, I understand, among Presbyterians and other things to recognize the damage that was done. Did you feel that? Do you experience that? Is that? Do you see that in your mother? Absolutely. 
I think the reconciliation that's happening on small scales is so important right now. But unfortunately, there's not enough of that going on. But I really do have a lot of respect for the Quakers based on the role modeling I got from the Ellises that resided in Rough Rock from the 40s to the 80s until they were elderly and had to relocate. Uh, in fact, Vern Lois passed. He was a carpenter and a preacher and a missionary. And his wife, Lois Ellis, was a nurse. And she's still alive. And she's like 98 years old. And she's in Colorado. And she's completely alert. She's pretty healthy, reads a lot, and stays in touch with my mother, who she fostered, and occasionally makes trips back up the mountain, which is 26 miles dirt road, up to the Oak Ridge Church that her and her husband built way back in the day. And it's just such a joy for the traditional Navajo Quakers to, you know, if you can imagine meeting the woman they knew as little young people, and now they're all elderly. I, I I have really good feelings about the Quakers. I don't know much. I really don't have a lot of context, but just based on this couple, I think they're pretty cool. Well, now you've got one more Quaker in your experience since I'm here. Great. But let's go on to some more of your music, which is what we want to really highlight today. There's so much good music. Five albums, as you say. I found on your website three of them. So tell me about your next song. Okay. The next song is a song that I wrote what we wrote, we co-wrote for a really good friend of mine, Richard Erdos. And he was a writer and an artist of many facets. He was a survivor of the Holocaust. He was born in 1912 on July 7th in Vienna. And he escaped from the Nazi regime and ended up in New York City in 1940, speaking as a third language, Shakespearean English. He got a invitation through Time Life, or commissioned rather, through Time Life magazine to go to the Lakota Reservation and see what was going on in the Badlands. He was an illustrator and a photographer. So he got connected with a medicine man by the name of John Fire Landier, and John Fire Landier got to know him and told him stories, and he was mesmerized by the Lakotas. And one day, John Fire Landier told him, you will write my book. I saw you in a vision. And, and Richard said, I don't speak English very well. <laughs> English is my third language. I am an artist, and I have a family to feed in New York City. John Fireleinbeer said, you don't understand. You are in my vision. You have to write my book. Well, why don't you get some of your own people to write your own book? Because... White people should not write the Indian history. There's too much. John Fairlandier responded, I can't trust anybody here, and most of us are illiterate. I'm illiterate myself. You are in my vision. You must do my book. Richard Erdos said, okay, we do the book. So he, <laughs> he put together a short manuscript, and he deep recorded John Fairlandier in a whatever 1968 technology there was. He submitted it to Simon & Schuster, and he immediately got signed because it was a Lakota medicine man's story from the horse's mouth. Richard Erdos did not embellish it. He didn't romanticize it. He just kept it as raw as the medicine man put it out. He went on to become a bestseller, and Richard all of a sudden became like a writer overnight. And he always wrote manually. I met him in a restaurant in a sushi bar in downtown Santa Fe in 1998. 
and he hobbled in with his elderly gait with a cane, and he had about four very educated-looking white men with him, and they spoke another language, and I served their table. I was a, I was a waitress, and I kept hearing in the language, aim, 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 and I said, excuse me, are you talking about the American Indian movement? He turned around and looked at me, and he said, the American Indian movement, and I said, I'm Navajo, and he said, said Navajo to me with his Vienna accent, Viennese accent. Hi, my name is Richard. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I responded to him in Navajo, just a simple, basic Navajo. And from there, he gave me his card. He said, you call me, we talk. So I took his card and held held on to it for a long time. I thought, gosh, that's not like me to call an elderly man like this, you know, that I meet in a restaurant, but I decided to go ahead and call him. So I showed up at the address he gave me on Garcia Street on Canyon Road in Santa Fe, and uh, he had eight books laid out on a table, and he said, these are gifts for you, and I brought him a gift of a cassette tape of my music. So we exchanged the gifts, and I left after he took me out to dinner at the India Palace, his favorite place, and it was vegetarian that he ordered, and he told me stories for two hours, and I could understand maybe 30%, 40% of his accent <laughs> at that moment in the night. And I took the books home thinking, oh, these are nice little Indian books. One was Navajo. And when I got home, I looked at them. He never said that he was, a, you know, anything. And then when I got home, his name was on all the books. He wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, he passed away on July 14, 2008. And he was my best friend. He taught me how to love. It's a platonic song about love. And uh, how he taught me to love is he taught me that all walls must go down. Walls of separation, that is. And love is love. And there's nothing that can conquer that. And that's what the song's all about. And then the second verse is where there is seeker of visions. He came, you came to him in a dream. That's John Firelandier, and that's the name of his first book, Seeker of Visions. So you'll hear that in the second verse. It says, Seeker of Visions, you came to him in a dream, opened a window for the world to see, plight of Lakota, told from his eyes, that means the horse's mouth eyes, mirror and reflection, of course, Richard being a Holocaust survivor and seeing whatever he saw in uh, that area in the 30s and 20s, told from his eyes, mirror and reflection told from his eyes, cycles of our lives, because it doesn't just go on through history, you know, this type of Holocaust, cultural genocide, it's just, it's, it, it happens. So that's what the song's all about. Thank you. The song is You Taught Me to Love by Indigifam Tosh Terry here. I love you so much No one will ever know Last night I had a dream Spirit always love Your accent from Vienna Took me to a place 
passion for freedom Create what you see You Taught Me to Love by Indigifam on their album Justify. Their website is indigifam.com. If spelling is at all obscure to you, just come via nordenspiritradio.org. We'll have a link. This is Song of the Soul, Northern Spirit Radio production on the web, nordenspiritradio.org. With more than 12 years of our programs for free listening and download, you'll have links to our guests, more information about them. There's a place for you to share comments and to make our conversation two-way. There's also a donate button. That's how this full-time work is supported, not by government and not by corporations, but by people who want to see it continue. Even more important, though, I'd say is to support your local community radio station. In Arizona, there's one station carrying our programs. In New Mexico, there's another. So just come by our website and you'll find where they are. 
Remember to start by supporting all of those local community radio stations across the nation, bringing you alternative music and news that you just don't get on the mainline stations. Again, we're here with Tosh Terry. She and her business partner, Elena Higgins, do music as Indigifam, one from the Navajo Nation and one from New Zealand originally. And you just shared, you taught me to love, which brings in that person with that accent, Vienna, which is so charming. (laughs) (laughs) It is so wonderful to see that the lessons can be learned across the world. I guess in some way, he was indigenous to his area and experienced the same kind of genocide efforts that happened before the native folks here, the native folks in New Zealand and in Australia, everywhere. I mean, there's been invaders and the local people have suffered from that. But with spirit, they come back. And it's so important that you're sharing that. I hope his daughter decides to publish his book. When he was working on it, he gave me the original manuscript. It was about 500 pages. And he talks about his experience in Europe. And he talks about his first encounter with Native Americans in the 60s, and it's a really fascinating book, and it's so dated with just the stuff that went down in the 1912s onward, his experience, and, you know, that's just so sacred. I hope his daughter really moves on that, because he he didn't really care about his story so much as he did care about telling, uh, getting other people's stories out, so I hope that happens, but yeah, that's right, that does happen, and what's interesting about him is Being born in Vienna, he was German and Jewish, so he was half and half. Well, I do hope there's some listener at one of the 32 stations nationwide carrying our programs that hears us and says, well, maybe I can help be part of moving that forward. They can find your contact information on indigifam.com, but what they really want right now, they're desperate for, is another song. What should we share next, Tosh? Let's, Let's go with Beautiful Spirit. Beautiful Spirit is about people working hard, people living their life, and people forgetting how beautiful they really are. And the essence of the song is that where where we go, we leave our seeds of love, and uh, we should realize that and love ourselves. The song speaks for itself. Beautiful Spirit. Leave 
seed that grows within you. Farms recording Indian Souvenir. You'll find that song, Beautiful Spirit. Obviously, some pretty good, powerful energy, bass, guitar, keyboards going on there. How much of that is you, Tosh, and how much of it is Elena? And who else is involved in this? Elena is the singer on the song. I'm doing the back-end vocals. And I'm also playing on a 12-string guitar, the beginning lead of that. I'm doing the rhythm throughout it on guitar. And our producer, Larry Mitchell, 
added all the instrumental accompaniments and his genius lead guitar in the um, bridge right there in the middle. He just, our producer is a master. He's won a Grammy for producing and engineering Robert Mirabal's album some years ago. So we've got a really good producer, and that's Larry Mitchell. Well, speaking of beautiful spirits, one of the things that you do, you mentioned this already earlier on, is that when you're not doing music, Tosh, ASL is part of what you're doing. You work as an interpreter. Uh, you work with people who are hearing impaired. Tell us a little bit about how you got into that. Growing up on the reservation, one summer I was bored. I'm glad it was only one summer you were bored. <laughs> That's right. I was on the reservation. A deaf man showed up on the uh, at my door with two boys, and they were signing. And he wanted to purchase a Volkswagen bug parked in our front yard. And he ended up purchasing that bug that belonged to my father. And he fixed it, and we became friends. He introduced me to his Navajo wife. We became friends. I was 13 years old. They taught me sign language. And they kind of adopted me into their little deaf family. And their two boys were hearing and spoke only sign language in Navajo. And uh, I was very fascinated with their form of communication. So I learned and I became fluent in the English way, signing signing in English form. And then later on, I learned American Sign Language and I got trained and I became certified. So I've been doing sign language interpreting, which I love. And uh, my emphasis and focus, of course, is to interpret for Native Americans, particularly Navajos. Well, there's some beautiful spirit involved in that. I know we're getting short on time. How about we move into another song right away? You have another one you want to share? Absolutely. Let's go ahead and play Blessed Rain. You live in a desert area of the world. I'm in Wisconsin. It's been raining every other day here. I'm kind of wishing I could send some more of the rain your direction. Is water, I think, more obviously a sacred element where you live since it's rare? Absolutely, particularly the context of the song, because where my grandmother, my, my the sheep, we call it the sheep camp, there is no running water, there's no wells. So we depend on rainwater up there. Yeah, so that's why the song was written, because Grandma prays for rain every day so that her sheep and her livestock can have rain. And, of course, her herself, she has water catchments, you know, barrels outside her hogan, and she catches rainwater. And there's some reference in the song to Peabody's coal mine and that the Hope and the Diné pitted against one another. Could you explain a little bit about that for those who are missing the history? Yeah. In 1964, Peabody Coal Mine realized, well, they'd realized long before that, that there was just an insurmountable amount of coal on Black Mesa. And we've been sharing the land up there with the Hopis for, like, I can't even tell you how long, a really, really long time. Well, the government tried to influenced the Navajos to sign an agreement to start mining for coal. And the Navajos said, absolutely not. That would be like rape of the earth. We're caretakers. We can't do that to our sacred mountain. She's one of our sister mountains. And so they went to the Hopis and said to the Hopis, you know, some of your artifacts are on that Navajo side there. And if you let us go for coal, we can get the Navajos relocated off there and make you guys really wealthy. So there was uh, an agreement made. I'm not sure exactly sure of the specifics with the Hopis. And they pitted us against each other. And Navajos are matrilineal traditionally, and the Hopis are patrilineal traditionally. 
hence brother against sister, the lyric in the song, the line in the song. They pitted us against each other and relocated hundreds, if not thousands, of families from Big Mountain and Black Mountain in the 70s and on into the 80s into border towns. Some of my family members were relocated forcefully, and there's still ongoing tension. So that sounds pretty deep. They never once offered my grandma or any of our relatives any lights, any installations for some of these extractions that were taken out of the earth. They lit up Las Vegas. They tapped into our sacred aquifer. They extracted water and through cold slurry lot through slurry lines and it was just horrible. And here we are still praying for rain and using kerosene light at night. And that's still the case to this day. Except now we have a few homes in Hogan's with solar panels. And that's all background for the song by Indigi Fam, Blessed Rain. Peace. I heard you. Pray. 
Blessed Rain is on Indigifam's CD, Indian Souvenir. You'll find the link for Indigifam.com on NordenSpiritRadio.org. And time is very, very short. How about one more song, Tosh? Absolutely. Why don't we uh, finish off this interview with one of my favorite songs that gets crowds dancing. That's Not Iwi, spelled N for Nancy, G-A space, I-W-I. This song is a song Elena and I do that comes from the waters of Aotearoa, also known as New Zealand. And this song is simply about the balance between the powers of the male and the female and everybody coming together and being at peace and harmony, almost like the Navajo Hojonjigo, the beauty way. And since Indigifam combines the energies of the indigenous people of the southern part of the hemisphere and northern, perfectly appropriate to end up with something from New Zealand. Naiwi is the song. Thank you so much, Tosh Terry, for joining me. I hope to talk to Elena one day soon, too. Thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Please do call Elena, Mark, and thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you're doing, and I really appreciate sharing some of the context to these beautiful songs. Thank you, and keep doing what you're doing, okay? Healing the world together, here is Naiwi, and we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul.
Theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy.